Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Glad to have you all, amen, in the house of the Lord. I'm going to turn to Galatians 5, continue in our series on the fruit of the Spirit, amen. The Spirit of the Lord uh, visited us Wednesday night, amen. The Spirit of the Lord visited us Wednesday night while we was holding up truth. He just came down and, uh, you know, there's a couple things that make a difference in the service because God's Word is already anointed, but I tell you what, it helps a whole lot when we all get anointed, when we all get anointed. I shared a little statement the other night on uh, social media somewhere that I had read in the book uh, concerning someone that was he was he was writing the book concerning ministry and preaching, and uh, he he made this statement. He says, "What makes good preaching is good congregations. So good preaching is a lot of times just a tongue and groove with just good congregations." And so we had a great congregation Tuesday or Wednesday night rather. The Spirit of the Lord just. Uh, came down and visited us. Galatians 5, verse 22, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the, with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Our subject matter this morning is this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long-suffering. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Jesus, today. I know, Lord, that you're able to help us this morning as we once again turn our attention, Lord, to your word. I pray, oh God, let our minds, God, be stayed upon you. God, our attention, Lord Jesus, fixed upon you today. We're grateful, Lord, for those, Lord, who have here, Lord Jesus, God, and those, Lord Jesus, that would respond to the word of the Lord. I pray, oh God, today, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the songs today. But now we come, Lord Jesus, to your word. Help us, God, to glean from it. God, for our individual lives, and we'll fail not to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen, and everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name, amen. There's something about, and I almost noticed it as soon as I said it this morning and had everybody to say uh, that word, long-suffering. There's something about whenever you say the word long-suffering, people just cringe, and I don't know if it's the long portion of it or the suffering part of it. Or maybe it's those two words grouped together uh, that make us cringe. Whenever we look, though, if you look a few verses ahead of our Scripture setting, whenever it speaks about the works of the flesh, you know, many times in that list, when you come to the fruits of the Spirit, you almost see some contrasts or counterparts to what were some of the works of the flesh. And some of the closest counterparts I could find in the list of the works of the flesh that were, were contradictory or opposite to somewhat long-suffering were the works of the flesh that were hatred and wrath and strife. But this particular fruit of the Spirit this morning that we're talking about long-suffering, it will help us combat those hatred, wrath, and strife, those other things that are normally productive works of the flesh now long suffering doesn't mean I don't get angry alright long suffering doesn't mean I don't get angry long suffering 
is just this. Long-suffering is our privilege of getting angry, but without the option to retaliate. It allows me, I might even say, to express my anger eventually with a proper attitude, which normally, as we'll see through the Scriptures today, which normally means offering forgiveness if we are to truly follow the pattern of God who this spirit that we have came from. And so I think it's important this morning from the very outset that there's a few differences between the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit and another one that we'll study later in this series called temperance. It's like, why, why do we have long-suffering and we have temperance? It seems as though we're talking about the same thing. as the Apostle Paul doubled up on us here, you know, and laden us with two things that are identical? But that is not the fact. Long-suffering relates, and this is very important to keep a few uh, terms straight for us today. Long-suffering relates to our attitude of our relationship to others. Temperance, however, relates to the attitude concerning our relationship to ourselves. All right? Amen. And so when we understand this, we, we practice long-suffering with other people and we should practice temperance with ourselves. Temperance with ourselves. And so we'll look at that a little further in, in later in our series. But there's another term that long-suffering oftentimes is interchanged with and dealt with. It's very similar to long-suffering, yet there are some differences as well. And that is the word patience. As a matter of fact, in a lot of modern-day translations, uh, you don't even hardly see the word long-suffering anymore. But they substituted the word patience in place of the word long-suffering. As a matter of fact, in the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, there's some versions of the Bible. You'll go on and read it, how it's love and joy and peace and patience, rather. But there are some verses in the King James Version of the Bible that place both patience and long-suffering in the same phrase. Patience and long-suffering in the same verse, which indicates to me that there is a difference between patience and long-suffering. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse 11, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience, here it is, and long-suffering with joyfulness. Another instance of long-suffering and patience being in the same verse or phrase would be 2 Timothy 3 and 10. The Bible says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, Paul says, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. And so here's just a couple of episodes where patience and long-suffering are in the same verses or in the same phrase but these two words, and I'm not going to get all the Greek and Hebrew, but these two words come from two different Greek words. The Greek word for long-suffering actually comes from two, which literally means this. Long-suffering from the Greek means slow anger or long temper. Amen. And sometimes that word can be translated as patience. But the Greek word for patience in these verses comes from two Greek words as well. And it literally means under abide or if we can switch the wording around abide under patience when we talk about patience patience is more so endurance 
or an attitude in relationship to circumstances. Patience is something that you display or that you have whenever you're dealing with difficult or hard circumstances, your attitude concerning your circumstances of life. Now, long-suffering, as we already said again, is your attitude concerning your relationship to other people. Now, here's, here's where sometimes there's this back-and-forth interchange and there's a blurred line between long-suffering and between patience. And the reason being is this, because circumstances... All right, circumstances that pertains to exercise and patience many times involve people, all right? Some of the woes of circumstances in your life are linked to people. And the reason why then sometimes it's interchanged vice versa is because people a lot of times are involved in our circumstances, amen. But there is a difference and perhaps a good character in the scripture that shows this difference in his life would be the man that we know as Job. Job was a man that was distinct, if you will, with this patience and long-suffering thing in his life. The Bible tells us in James, James in his writing, he's talking about some things and he comes to a certain place and he says, ye have heard of the patience of Job. He uses the word that's normally translated as patience, meaning you've heard of the patience, you heard what Job's attitude was during his time of circumstance. You remember what Job's attitude was, how he abided under the, the, the heavy load of his circumstances. And there were several, everybody say several, we know. There were several circumstances that, that arose in Job's life where he endured or kept his attitude right concerning and toward his circumstances. And so that's great. But another distinction, that's great with Job's patience dealing with circumstances, but how did Job do with his long suffering? How he dealt with other people? Now we might take a tally today and some people might say he did well, others might say he didn't do very well. But if you remember, he had some pretty trying friendships, didn't he? Huh? Uh, he had circumstances, but he also had some trying relationships with other people. Uh, the three friends and the other younger one that came, always giving their advice of reason why Job was or was not in his circumstances, what he could have done better for he wouldn't have been in his circumstances. And so we see Job, you heard of the patience of Job, his attitude concerning the circumstances. Well, what about Job's attitude concerning other people, his long-suffering? Honestly, I don't know if he did necessarily the best. I read, and I read my Bible last night and I was going through Job a little bit and looking at some of the things he told the people that were quote-unquote trying to help him. And these were some of the things that he told them. He said, wisdom shall die with you. He's being sarcastic. He said, I'm not inferior to you. He said, you are forgers of lies. He says, you are physicians of no value. He said, hold your peace. That's Old Testament language for shut up. He said, you're miserable comforters, all of ye. He said, mock on. Now, he bore up real good under his circumstances. He had patience, but I don't know. I don't know if we can give a, a definitive line about how good he was concerning his long-suffering, his attitude concerning his relationship with other people in his life. And so when we think about the patience of Job, we think rightly. We think about him enduring his circumstances, abiding under those horrific things that befell him, but he may have lacked a little bit in his long-suffering, how he dealt with people that were not so favorable toward him. 
The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1 that patience is indeed a virtue, but we're talking about long-suffering this morning. And that's an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. It's that ability to example a long temper. And that doesn't mean holding on to your temper for a long time. <laughs> Lest anybody twist my words a little bit. It's not saying that you hold on to your temper for a long time. Rather, being slow to anger with other people. Amen. When we read long-suffering throughout the Scriptures, and I read every verse in the Bible that contained the word long-suffering, which was only like 17, but whenever we read concerning the verses of long-suffering in Scripture and how they relate to God, most of the time when you see whether it's patience or long-suffering, you know what? Long-suffering is normally related to God, not so much so patience. Amen. Long-suffering is related to God because of how he dealt with you and I, because of how he dealt with mankind. And the, the thing is this, long-suffering, how it relates to God, it concerns with how God deals with his people whenever they acted unfavorably, whenever they acted contrary to the way that he would hope for them to act. A good example of that we can find in our Bibles in the book of Exodus. This is after the incident that the children of Israel have, have made the golden calf Moses is on the mountain, the presence of God, hearing from God, experiencing the presence of God. The people are down here thinking it's taken Moses a long time. And so they built themselves a God, a golden calf. Moses comes down from the mount. He hears some, some noise down below. Joshua, I believe it says, I think it's maybe war. He said, no, nah, that's not war. He said, there's something going down there that's unfavorable, no doubt, in the eyes of God. Whenever Moses sees what everything was taking place and going on, he had that fresh, fresh two tablets of stone of the commandments in his hands and because of outraged and overwhelmed by what was going on, he threw those down and they broke at his feet. And after all of this, the building of the image, Moses reacting the way he did, the Bible says in Exodus 34 and verse 6 that God passed before Moses and look what he said. He said, the Lord... The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. What I want you to know, after all of this mayhem, of building a, a false god, them dancing around it, uh, doing the unthinkable uh, uh, concerning this image, and then Moses and his outrage breaking these newly created tablets of stone. God still steps forward and says, Hey, I want you just to know who I am. I'm a merciful God, I'm a gracious God, I'm a long suffering God, I, I'm long tempered, I'm, I'm slow to get angry so in light of everything you're doing right now I want you to know I'm a merciful God not only that I'm a God that forgives the iniquity even that which just took place I'm a forgiver of iniquity of your sin and your transgression he said that's me I'm that type of God amen he's a God that is slow to anger whenever it came to humanity not acting in a way that was conducive to being children of God Amen. As a matter of fact, there was another place in their journey. The Bible says the Israelites, they always got these real newfangled ideas. They had this concept. You know what? 
We've had enough of this, this journey and this journey through the wilderness and this traveling trying to get to the promised land. You know what? I think we should go back to Egypt. It'd just be much better we go back to Egypt. The food that we had there, we didn't have to wait for it to fall from heaven. We, we didn't have to smite or get a rock and get water from a rock. We could had houses there. Why, why don't we just go back to Egypt? And when they did this, here's one of the days that God was even a little slack in his long suffering. He'd been putting up with a lot though, folks. Murmuring and complaining, bickering, fighting, building uh, images and such of that nature, trying to get into the land of promise. And God said, you know what? You all want to go back to Egypt? That's fine. I'll write you off. Now, that, that sounds more like Paul McGee right there. I can identify with that. Just write them off. He said, I'm just going to write you off and, and establish another nation through Moses. I'll use Moses' seed and I'll build me another nation through Moses. Thou be loyal to me, good to me, obey me, so on and so forth. I'll just write you off. But then Moses had remembered the words of God after the building of the golden calf, and Moses reminds God, God, you said you was the Lord God, that you was gracious, that you were merciful, that you were long-suffering, long-suffering, you were forgiving God, a God of great mercy. And so the Bible says God pardoned the children of Israel for their words and their thoughts all over again because of the reminder that Moses had given him. Amen. God, you said you was a long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long-suffering, God. Amen. Just to underscore again how long-suffering is just paired and tied to God, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament Scripture, he was talking to the man that he was a mentor to, which was Timothy, oftentimes called him his son in the gospel. And he said, Timothy, he said, I want, I want to tell you about myself. And here's what I want you to know. I have not always been what you see that I am today. I haven't always been a 57 model Christian. He said, there was a time that I was a blasphemer. He's telling Timothy this. He said, I was a blasphemer. He said, I was a persecutor. He said, I persecuted the church. I persecuted Christians. I took them to jails. I was instrumental in some of their lives being taken. So I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious, injurious to some of these people, injuring them. He says, beyond that, he said, whenever you talk about sinners, baby, give me the medal. I was the chief of them. I was the chief of sinners. It didn't get any worse. It didn't get any worse than right here, Timothy, old Paul. He says, yet God was long-suffering to me. God was slow to anger concerning me. God was long-tempered concerning me. The Bible said in 1 Timothy 1.16, this is what Paul said. He said, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might shew forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul was telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, I was all these things, persecutor, blasphemer, injurious, chief of sinners. He says, but God was merciful and long-suffering to me. He could have retaliated because of what I did. He could have retaliated, but he did not. And Timothy, here's the thing, because you're going to be a pastor over at church someday. He said, here's the thing. If God was merciful to me and God was long-suffering to me, one that's been a chief of sinners from the low down of the low down, then I want you to know God used me as a pattern that whoever else came along the way that was in the dregs of sin or didn't act according to the will or the purpose of God, God could have long suffering and be short 
short-tempered or long-tempered and slow to anger with them as well because I was the worst. God could. God could. Everybody say God could. Have you noticed in some of these folks, some of these verses that we've already went through and read today, have you noticed that several times there's a grouping together of mercy and long-suffering? Mercy and long-suffering. The old definition for mercy that we have all times used is mercy is when you don't, everybody say don't. Don't get what you deserve. When you don't get what you deserve. And so there's a connection between mercy and long-suffering. Because in some ways, mercy is nothing more but an expression or a proof of long-suffering. Instead of coming down with the hammer, you don't get what you deserve. The Bible says, the psalmist said in Psalms 86 and 15, he was praying, he gave some simple praise in his prayer. He said, but thou, O Lord, art full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and what? Plenteous in mercy and in truth. There's mercy that's grouped together with long-suffering. The minor prophet Micah states these words, Micah 7 and verse 18. He said, who is a God like unto thee? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoned pardoneth iniquity and pacify the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retaineth not his anger forever what's that long suffering long suffering because he delighteth what in mercy he will turn again he will have compassion upon us he will subdue our iniquities and will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea what's that talking about forgiveness so he's a merciful God he's a long suffering God He's a forgiving God. Nehemiah said that God is slow to anger. God is slow to anger. And here Micah is telling us God is slow to anger and if he ever gets to the place that he does get angry, he won't stay angry long. And that's, right? He's slow to anger, but if he ever reaches there, he's not gonna hold his anger, retain his anger for long. And so there's something else that I'm noticing about the long-suffering of God. Not only is it tempered with mercy, but many times it results in forgiveness. God's long-suffering is this. Rather than him writing us off, he's writing off our offense. Amen. And I think Peter in 2 Peter shows us both sides of God's long-suffering or at least the purpose of long-suffering, even for us in our individual lives. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9, the Bible states these words. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. He has a good attitude in his relationship to other people. He's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's long-suffering, tempered with mercy, yes. We don't receive what we should have received. But it's active in the way because his long-suffering is actually offering you and I forgiveness for what he could have retaliated against, what he could have judged against. And so, therefore, when we think about the long-suffering of God, 
the long-suffering of God really provides two things, and we can see it in the Scripture. It provides forgiveness, and it provides a space of time for repentance for the one who did the offending. Someone hearing me? And the Bible tells me, it's one of those little favorite scriptures I got, that God is ready to forgive. For that matter, when he hung up on the tree, he did forgive us. And that's wonderful. Glorifying that. I've been forgiven by God. But listen, that forgiveness isn't appropriated in your life until you repent. Amen. Until you repent. So what that means on an individual level for you and I this morning is this. Exercising long-suffering to one another to mirror and use God's long-suffering as an example. In his long-suffering, he gave forgiveness. But with that long-suffering, that time, he was also offering the opportunity for the offender to repent. So on an individual level this morning, I can forgive you I can forgive you without you being sorry about what you did. But you can't receive the forgiveness I gave you until you repent. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in long suffering is not just my forgiveness, but giving you time to see that you need it. Giving you time to repent. Peter what Peter's saying right here, that God is not slack concerning his promise, he's speaking to those of his age, and he didn't want people to think, hey, listen, God's not slack concerning his promise about coming back to the earth. He's not slack concerning his promise about coming back someday. Peter was telling them, don't mistake in his not coming back yet as a broken promise. He says, no, what you need to interpret him not coming back yet is this. You need to look at that. That's God's long-suffering. God is providing a space of time where he's already provided forgiveness, but he needs you to repent in order to receive what he has given. Don't you interpret God not coming back as God's just given up and he's not ever going to come. He broke a promise. No, that's God's long suffering. He's slow to anger. Judgment's going to come, but he's not doing it yet because he's given an opportunity He's allowing a space of time for things to get right. Paul told the church of Rome, he said, you're not going to escape judgment. There's an appointed time, the Bible says, for judgment. But until then, we're living in God's long-suffering. And in his long-suffering is mercy. And in his long-suffering suffering is forgiveness. And what he would desire to be also in that long-suffering is repentance. Bible says in Romans 2 4 as Paul wrote to the church at Rome he said or despisest thou the riches speaking of God's goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance in other words he's telling the Romans he said don't, don't miss don't despise God's long suffering because of his goodness and his forbearance and his long-suffering, these things lead you into repentance. God's forgiven you, but his long-suffering is providing some time, hopefully, that you'll repent. Because here's what God wants. Judgment is coming. Mm -hmm. His long-suffering is providing time for you to repent 
over that rather than be judged over it. Is someone listening to me? He says, so God is long-suffering in this regard. The Bible even says in the days of Noah that God waited in the days of Noah, showing his long-suffering. The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Why? Because he was hoping for a change from those that heard Noah, the preacher of righteousness, hoping that someone would change their mind and that they would come and get on the ark whenever it was time for the rains to fall. And although no one did except the eight of Noah's family, God in his long suffering was waiting for what? For someone to have a change of mind. Someone to have a change of attitude. He waited because he was allowing a window of time for repentance that would be afforded to the ungodly. How? By his own long suffering, slow to anger, long tempered. The Bible says, Peter says in 2 Peter 3.15, and he says, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Peter says you can account the long suffering as salvation. Why? Because it's a space of time where God gives forgiveness and we can offer repentance. And we already learned that repentance leads to what? Salvation. Repentance leads to salvation. Luke was so adamant about it. He said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. God says, I'm providing my people long-suffering. It's a space of time for repentance. Well, that's great talking about God, but how do we bring this down a little further? How does this long-suffering concept relate to us? Someone say, how does it relate to me? Just as God's long-suffering related to people, his forgiveness, their repentance, the long-suffering, that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul's speaking of in Galatians 5, our long-suffering relates to people, our attitude to others, our forgiveness to others. The Bible says in Colossians 3, and verse 12, Paul, talking to the church of Colossae, says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If you read verses prior to this, Paul had told them how they had taken off the old man. They had taken off some of the old identities of the old man. If I had stated for our purpose this morning, Paul was telling them, you took off some of the works of the flesh. You took off your hatred. You took off your wrath. You took off your strife. He said, but we can't, we can't have you in a spiritual sense going around naked. You took off some things, now you've got to put some things on. And he says, what you need to put on being the elect of God, he said, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. He said, put on long-suffering. And what are we talking about this long-suffering with that little semicolon there? He says, here, let me further break down long-suffering. It's talking about forbearing one another, forgiving one another he said one of those things you want to put on is one of the fruits of the spirit one one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit that you have received for bearing and forgiving he said in essence is long-suffering to mankind 
long-suffering to one another. Amen. If you can forbear somebody, you can forgive them, you may be exercising the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. You say, well, I still get angry. That's fine. That's fine. But are you retaliating or are you just trying to extend the hand of forgiveness? Shoulder, if you will, all of the anger and the frustration on your shoulders without being an explosive piece of dynamite of TNT and blowing up. If you'll remember in, in Matthew 18 is the story told of two servants that owed money and the servant that owed 10,000 talents, the Bible says, that when his Lord come to him wanting pay, payment, that this is what he spoke to them. He said, have patience with me. The word in our Bibles that's written as patience is the word that's typically, though, translated long-suffering. man was saying, have long-suffering, if you will, with me. What was he wanting? He said, please don't get, don't get mad quick. Be slow to anger. What's he saying in that? Have, have patience, or if you will, as it's normally translated, long-suffering with me. He's saying, forgive me. And not only that, we even see that he understood that he owed the money, that he lacked in, in having the debt paid, so in essence, he was owning his own wrong. And there was repentance there as well. But as he lets him off the hook and long-suffering is showed, he forbore, he forbore what was done and forgave what was done. And that man goes to somebody that owes him some money, right? Owes him a hundred pence, much less. And the same words come from that man. Have patience with me, or, or, or literally as it's normally translated, have long suffering with me. No, don't, 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 be, don't be quick to get mad and angry and offer me a little mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. Huh? Don't give me what I deserve. Give me some forgiveness here. The Bible says that he went on through him into a prison so that he would pay. And so here is again maybe one of those times that the line is blurred. In our King James Bible, the word patience is used. Amen. And no doubt the man did need some patience for the circumstances of lacking the money to pay, but he needed some long-suffering from the person to whom the money was owed. He needed some long-suffering. Amen. And, and, and if you'll, you'll note, though, long-suffering was exercised in the first account. The man with the 10,000 talents that was owed, long-suffering was exercised whenever the debt was forgiven and the man owned his wrong through repentance. He didn't deny that he owed that money. He didn't try to pawn it off as though you got the wrong guy. No, he owned it. And whenever he owned it, and in essence repent, the forgiveness that he got, the forgiveness that was offered, I should say, he received. Because you can only receive forgiveness when you repent. It might be standing there waiting, but you can only receive it when you repent. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, the apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He's basically telling them, he said, don't receive the grace of God. Talk to people just like us. He said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't do it in vain. He says, as a matter of fact, he said, don't, don't give place or occasion for offense. Don't give place or occasion for offense. As a matter of fact, he said, don't be acting in any way or have an attitude in any way 
where the ministry would be blamed. Well, he said, live above measure. Don't be doing that. And he told them, he said, here's a way that you can accomplish that. Here's a way that you will not have received the gift of God in vain. You can approve yourself, he says. And here's some ways that you can improve yourself. He said, you improve yourself by pureness, by knowledge, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, and the list goes on and on. But in that list, one of the ways in which you can approve yourself so that you've not received the grace of God in vain, he said you can approve yourself by long-suffering. What's he talking about? He said you can approve yourself and prove that you've not taken or had the grace of God in vain by showing some forbearance, if you will, and forgiveness to other people, what your attitude and relationships to others are. Because remember what the apostle said back in Colossians 3. He says, forbear and forgive one another. He said, if anybody's had a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, what are you talking about? Christ and his long-suffering toward you should cause us to have long-suffering toward one another. Amen? And forgiveness toward one another and forbearance for one another. So if we can back up just a little bit, just for a little review, and I'll come to a close. But we back up just here a little bit to understand the terms. Later, we'll study another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called temperance. Temperance is your attitude in your relationship to yourself, the internal conflict. Patience is the attitude of our relationship to our circumstances. I'm going through a lot right now. Yeah, you're, you're abiding under the load. Your, your attitude to your circumstances. When we talk about long-suffering, we're talking about your attitude to other people, other individuals. And so if the long-suffering of God is connected to his mercy, what he doesn't do, it's also connected to his forgiveness, what he does do. Someone hear me? Long-suffering God isn't just about what he withholds, but it's about what he gives. He withholds what we should have got, judgment. But he gives us, he gives us forgiveness. And what that does then for us is to allow time for the other, whoever it may be, us as being his children, to repent or receive his forgiveness. And so what long-suffering, you know, sometimes if you're quick-tempered, you've not even given no space for repentance. Offense, boom, off with their head. <laughs> You may be seated. Injustice, writing them off, you know, just like getting them out of the wheel. You know. Not even provided any space for repentance. Imagine if God held to the same standard. <laughs> Made a mistake, hell. No room for change. Hell. <laughs> Barbecue below. Seriously. Because what happens? What happens in a real literal sense with us when we've done something wrong? You give it time. We got a conscience about us. We start to think about what we did. Start to think about how that wasn't a very good thing. And what we become sorry. Sometimes that don't happen within the moment just after it occurred, but it takes time. God in his infinite wisdom understands that and then has long temper, slow anger to provide 
for the time. And when we get ready, we find out he was already forgiving us. So then on the human level, on the human level, they're not ever going to be my friend. They did me like that, blah, 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 blah. You know how we do. Ostracize and push them off in the corner. They can just forget it. That was their chance. But if you'll grant them time, long-suffering, grant them long-suffering, they might come around, and without you bringing it up again, they might even bring it up. And they're asking for repentance, and here's the thing, I hope we have forgiveness waiting for them. Long-suffering. Amen. And so if we have this Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, we should be growing in being merciful by forgiving people their offenses. And we should be growing in allowing them time to make things right. Paul said, long-suffering is a part of the new man. Put him on. If anybody's taken off long-suffering, put it back on. <laughs> Amen. That's a, I mean, it's great that it can be put on, but what that implies is that it can be taken off too. <laughs> Amen. And so if you're taking it off, put it back on. It's part of the new man. Put it back on. It's a part of, part of what the Bible talks about, walking worthy of our vocation. Well, what's my vocation? Your vocation is now you're new in Christ Jesus. You're, you're a Christian. You're Christ-like. You have a Christian life, and that's what you've been called to. So in order to, as Ephesians says, to work worthy of that vocation, you've got to put some worth in your walking by living with long-suffering. Bible states this and I'll close if you'll stand with me the Bible states in Ephesians 4 and 2 concerning that walking worthy of your vocation he says in verse 2 here's one way that you put worth in your walking by walking with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love Amen. Being long-suffering toward one another. Forgiving one another. Having a spirit of repentance with one another. And you know what, folks? Something just to consider. We talk about this getting angry quick or getting angry mad or just, man, cutting someone off right at the pass. And maybe this is for another day or another time. But whenever you consider anger, anger is never the first emotion. Anger is always a second emotion to a situation. It's always a second emotion to a situation. You got to ask yourself the question, why am I angry? And a lot of times it's because you lost something. Lost health, lost money, lost a relationship, lost this or that. And so you're angry because of you losing something. And whenever you understand what you're angry about, that it's not necessarily, watch it now, not necessarily a person but a circumstance. Amen. Then you know what you need to exert in your life, but I know it's hard sometimes because circumstances and people are tied together. It's hard to not see a circumstance without seeing the mastermind behind the circumstance, which oftentimes is a person. Amen. But we can live with an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. And someone's going to walk out of day and say, Yes, Brother McGee, I am long-tempered. <laughs> Remember, get it right. That doesn't mean that you hold on to your temper for a long time. 
That just means that you are forbearing. You're not going to let that thing go bang very quick. You can hold on to it for a long time. Can we bow our heads in this place this morning? Father, I come to you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.